Today on Ovia's Angelio, our friend Bomani Jones drops on by to talk about the economics of running backs in the NFL and the economics of ownership in the NFL, the NBA, and beyond. Matt Brown, Extra Points, will also drop by to talk about name, image, and likeness and just how longer we're going to be dealing with this current iteration of the college marketplace. Plus, it's not just football that's got media days this week. North Carolina basketball held some media and the messaging is very clear. OG. 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 It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. By doing something new, I mean doing something old, but we're bringing it back, so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Ovius, Eford Studios, downtown Raleigh, thanks to Empire Properties. Uh, we have a very, this is our, 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 First show of a very busy week, Joe. We're off to Charlotte for ACC kickoff. We're going to have a l- little bit of a different broadcast schedule this week. You just get out of get this out of the way. So normal show yeah, today. Let, let me know, please. Normal show today. <laughs> normal show today. Are uh, we going five wide this week? We're going five wide, baby. Wow. So rub is racing. Tuesday, we will be publishing the shows Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at eight o'clock at night. All right. Okay. Full day of kickoff, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. By the time we're done talking to everybody and putting everything together, we'll have that thing out and ready to go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, 8 o'clock at night. Friday will be the bonus. We're not technically... The best of or... No, things that we didn't get to okay. or conversations that could be tabled. You know, for instance, like Gary Stoken, our friend Gary Stoken of the kickoff classic down in Atlanta. Yeah, that'll probably run on Friday even though we're talking on Tuesday. You see what I'm getting at? Yes. You see what I'm getting at? Yes. So, but we're not technically working Friday. We'll be here. We'll be home on Friday. The magic. But the magic of YouTube and publishing podcast technology, you will get a show on Friday. I love it. Hey, man. It's a a different time. It's a different world for us. It is. It's kind of a different. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. I always wanted to go to the kickoff and, and do Radio Row. And I think it was, so the first year's pandemic, we didn't do anything, right? No, we didn't. And then we did it. And I remember saying to you, like, that sucked. <laughs> what do you mean? Like, because you, you, re- you record it there on their schedule. Yes. Right? Do. So we were on the air from three to six. Mm-hmm. So we would talk to people like 930. Mm-hmm. And I love that. You know, I love that. You're a morning guy. <laughs> I morning love guy. that. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, now you're doing a three-hour show and all of your stuff is recorded and you're like... So you, you like you and I would like fake talk for like five minutes, and then it was like, oh well, here's twenty minutes with Mac Brown. Oh, here's twenty minutes with Dave Dorian. Here's and like you're just sitting there like, <laughs> and by six o'clock, we you got so delirious. And don't even act like it was just me because you got so delirious one time. We played the uh, OG mixtape where you sang the Dave Matthews songs. I did. So I did. don't even act like. You get some thrill out of doing fake live radio. No, from, I hate it. From bullshit radio row. Oh, I hate it. Yeah. No, I, no, I absolutely hate it. Love the people. Oh, I love, love talk- seeing all yes. the people. Love, Please don't get me wrong. I yeah, love talking to but people. But it, it's just, it's impossible to do any kind of flow when it yeah. comes to doing a show. It's the strangest thing. So we're not, we don't have to do that. We're not hey. tethered to radio anymore. So we can kind of do things a little bit fun. differently. Oh yeah. It'll, it'll be a good time. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have fun with that. But no, it's a, it's a whole new world for us, a whole new world for you, too. I, are you actually rocking ECU gear? Look at Look that. It's you. Which way is the camera? <laughs> Tits up, Joe. Tits up. I'm trying so hard. <laughs> I do like their logo. What, with the PD? Yeah. Or whatever he's called. 
Is the Skull and Bones not I'll named PD? Is it. the pirate named PD? To work on it. I always get those things confused. I like purple. Purple is one of my colors. Purple is one of your colors. You do rock a lot yeah. of purple stuff. You're gonna have a lot of purple ECU golf polos, aren't you? Because yes. you do you do love a purple golf polo. <laughs> I yes, I do. So did you move James in already? <laughs> no, no, my goodness. Oh my gosh, don't give Jessica a heart attack. Yeah, I was gonna say it's uh, early in that. Let's it? see. Let's see if I can get the right date. Now it's third week August. I'm not ready, man. I'm 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 just in the process of my oldest going through driver's lesson, driving lessons, and he'll get his yeah, learner's permit soon. And I'm very much like, oh geez, yet yet another rite of passage when it comes to uh, to Hello. having kids. First day of classes, I believe, is the twenty first. He moves in the either the fifteenth or sixteenth, and he was explaining this to me yesterday. And I'm like, so. Do you have a plan for that already? You're just basically going to have a party for, for five days. Like, that's the best way to start college. But yeah, that's how you get to know everybody. <laughs> there you go. That's that's what I, mean, I was explaining is that, to me. Is that not how you get to know everybody? Yeah. During I, that time? I'm just saying, I, I don't I don't remember. I might be misremembering, but I don't remember being there like a week before classes started. Like, I remember getting there maybe on like a weekend. Yeah. And then, okay, Monday or maybe even Tuesday. Maybe Monday you had the, okay, go find everything. Make sure you know where all your classes are. Yeah. I don't remember, honestly. My, it's been so long. I remember my first year, I had like two or three early classes. And I wasn't, I was not a morning person at the time, obviously. But I was also not like one of these people like, you know how some people are like, I'm only taking classes on Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah. And I'm going to take them from day, like, right. I'm going to take them from like noon to like 10 at night. And I'm mm-hmm. like, really? Like an eight o'clock class is, is that bad? Like, can it, not really. Yeah, I mean, I guess not that you really start drinking and getting a fake ID. Does the eight o'clock class and, and attendance become, become a thing? See, I, I was the opposite. Actually. I want, I liked my Tuesdays and Thursdays clear Tuesdays and Thursdays for me at state were like the lab days. Yes. And I had like one lab at eight o'clock that night, but it basically gave me Tuesday and, and Thursday to, I guess, catch up on stuff and DJ at WKNC. I'd also work in some shifts on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but those were my busy days. The whole idea, like you're a sicko if you're going all day Tuesday, all day Thursday. Yeah, just so you don't do anything Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's To me, that's sicko behavior. Unless you were hell-bent on partying on Thursday night, you'd have to worry about anything on Friday. Now, I think we can all agree. I think there's a universal truth that the last thing you want in any of your class schedules is some sort of 8 o'clock Friday class. You never wanted that. You don't, but at some point you can't avoid them. Like particularly yeah, your freshman year when you're not at the top of the queue. True. Like it's just going to happen. Wait, how do they register now? Because see, I was in the. He's I was already the, registered for all of. Classes. But I was in the tail end of tracks versus tracks. online. The track phone. The tra- yeah. I had the. You know, I'm old enough to have called for my class schedule with a big book and punching in the number and being told you were waitlisted or you got in the class or this you, class is not available. Yeah. And then by the time I graduated, no one it had moved to online. And that was a little bit, you know. Yeah, he did all of it online, but he did it when he actually like okay. signed up and like you know gave blood to become a student. <laughs> gotcha. His blood, my blood. <laughs> Next thing you know, you'll be giving up blood so you can buy some beer. Plasma. Get to go to the plasma center. I mean, look, everybody makes decisions, man. Everybody makes decisions. So it's uh, speaking of of golf polos. How much British Open did you actually watch? Because last time we chatted, you were you were leaving for the Wyndham Media Day. Uh, and they had already been golfing at one thirty-five in the morning. I did not realize Butch Harmon still played. <laughs> Brian Harmon. Is he related to Butch Harmon? No, the little lefty okay. from Georgia. Yeah. Uh, has, a, has a putter the size of a snow shovel. <laughs> it's huge. Is that legal? 
Yeah. He also waggles a lot oh, in his address to the point right, where the broadcast right. was actually embarrassing him with a with a waggle counter Yikes. on the last day. They Yikes. had to try to do something to spice up because on Saturday was when most of the good players went low. Once of the name, Rom, McElroy, even Cameron Young. Um, but then Sunday was boring because of the weather. It was mm-hmm. kind of impossible to score. So Harmon ends up winning basically in a walk. Uh, where I want to get to in my golf gambling career. Now I had Brian Harmon in the G4. I I ended up finishing second. Mm -hmm. I just blacked out because I should have (laughs) won. I would love to get to the point in my golf gambling career where I, like I saw the stat that actually Brad Fresh sent me Mm -hmm. and it was after the second day. It was like, this course is set up to be a pain in the ass for all righties. Okay. And the reason that one of the reasons Brian Harmon, in addition to putting out of his mind, one of the reasons Brian Harmon is playing well is because he's a lefty and the wind and the course and da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, this is the kind of thing where I want to get to because patting myself on the back, pick some pizza this week. Okay. Yes. Dedicated most of it to the British open, mm-hmm. but we also picked winners for the Barracuda championship. Where's that? The Barracuda championship. Um, is that like a firewall? <laughs> it's, it's an alternate event. Barracuda networks. They use the stable for its scoring system, which means oh, you want they... guys who birdie a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally looked at the top 10 for guys who birdie in par fours on the PGA tour. Mm-hmm. There was only one player in the field who was in the top 10 mm-hmm. on birdies and par fours. Akshay Bhatia, our Akshay Bhatia, our local Akshay. Oh, okay. so I picked Akshay and you're like, Oh, now all of a sudden that's how you start a podcast, sir. That's how you start a gambling podcast. I did have Harmon for top 10. <laughs> I did pick Harmon for top 10, so I did catch that. But listen, the golf gods, they giveth, they taketh away, man. I think that's most gambling. They giveth, giveth and gave, give, give I was and so, taketh. This, I've, I'm glad the VPN didn't work for you. That would have caused all sorts um, of problems. Just wait six more months until gambling becomes legal here, man. No, it wouldn't have. It might have saved me some. No, Maybe. because Harmon's odds on some, I knew Harmon was going to win. Once the rain came in, oh, okay. you're not going to shoot a 63 gotcha. in that rain. Gotcha. Um, so his odds actually went down to minus 140 to win the tournament mm-hmm. after he had bogeyed the first hole, maybe even the first two holes. Minus 140 is bet $140 to win 100. By the end of that tournament, it was like minus 7,000. You know what I'm saying? So there was actually value there if I had a live line okay. when he had already, and it was still a three shot lead. Did you have any money on Messi scoring a goal in his Inter Miami debut? I did see that Including prop. A free kick winner. I was going to say, I did see that prop, and I did see obviously all of the social media. I had one of those moments on my social media where, like, hey, does anybody know if Messi scored? <laughs> I mean, look, uh, being that was all, an amazing all, all goal. Please aside, don't get me wrong. It was an amazing goal, and Beckham was like in tears because, you know, here comes this guy that he was key in bringing to inter Miami Beckham has his ownership stake in inter Miami inter Miami has been terrible all year long for MLS. So this gives them a shot in the arm. It gives yeah. MLS and Apple a shot in the arm in terms of subscriptions and people watching this stuff. But it did get me thinking about MLS and bringing Messi on. And what are we, what are we watching? Are we watching Messi, the, the player and, and what he's doing here? Very similar to when Beckham joined the galaxy and was doing a tour and everybody wanted to show, show up to see Beckham, including there was a time where um, the old Railhawks had played when that, what the Lamar open cup and the the, the, the hunt cup or whatever it was. So there's all, there's all sorts of soccer in this country is weird. And it's funny last week, I kind of joked about how it being soccer week in the United States, right? Because it locally, we had Wrexham and Chelsea Mm -hmm. FC at Keenan, which was a, a wonderful event 
for a preseason game, an exhibition. And then you had Messi joining Inter Miami and the crowd that was showing up just to sh- just to see him. He didn't play; he just showed up. Yeah, LeBron and yeah, all, all that kind of stuff. And then now you've got the Women's World Cup. I was gonna say Women's World Cup. Shout out to our friend Hayes Permar on the Rialto. Yep. That was his big debut. It was. It I love was. it. A lot of people showed up and uh, everybody had a good time and you had people volunteering. So that's good to see, right? Um, so you got the Women's World Cup going on as well. Now, all these things are all have varying degrees of, of interest or takes that you can have for them. But the one thing that continues to stick out for me for MLS is what is the appeal of that league? You know, I was on Reddit the other day and in the Raleigh Reddit, there was somebody asking a question about like, well, wait a minute, if people like soccer in this area, why don't we have an MLS team? And why does Charlotte have an MLS team? I'm like, oh, do we have an hour? Because <laughs> it's really simple. We don't have a billionaire with a B that lives around here that's interested in sports. And Charlotte has David Tepper, who can be a mark for MLS and their expansion fees. I mean, let's not forget that that man paid a record expansion fee for Charlotte FC to fast track getting a team at Bank of America Stadium. So I don't know what the stakes are for MLS. I'm not saying there aren't people that aren't interested in MLS. I'm simply saying, what are the stakes? What's the draw? The top talent plays in the English Premier League. The top talent that we can now easily watch on Saturday and Sunday. That's the thing that I think America or any soccer fan is going to be drawn to. The appeal of Messi is it's freaking messy. And you get to see the guy in person. It's kind of like when the Miami Heat first started and my dad would take me to games. I wasn't going to go see Miami Heat. You know what I was going to go see? I want to see Jordan. I wanted to see Shaq. Whoever was coming through Who was town. coming through? Oh, Larry Bird's coming through town? Sweet. I'm going to go see that, right? So I feel like that's what's going on with MLS. They did this already with Beckham. It's just history repeating. It's not a boost for MLS. It's a boost for Messi. The, the real and public. The real quote-unquote problem from MLS. And if you remember, MLS started after the 94 World Cup. Yeah. And the U.S. was in, and they had a young group of of star of quote unquote stars: mm-hmm. Tony Miola, uh, Tab Ramos, John Harks, Claudio, Reyna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and they were all put on teams, and this was a chance, you know, just as we've seen and hundreds of times before, for a league to start to launch, so you can follow those stars. Well, they were in; they were on the national team. They were stars on the national team. Mm-hmm. Now, the U.S. Soccer Federation actively works against having any of their good players in MLS. They don't want their top players in MLS. They want them in in uh, Germany. They want them in mm-hmm. England. They want them in Italy. They don't want them in MLS. So they're truly in this abyss with everyone knows it's not the best soccer, mm-hmm. right? And that's fine. You can still have high quality soccer, yeah. but our problem in this country is we want the best. Yeah, when we're watching professional sports, we want the best right. of the best. We, we don't. There's a reason we, no one wants to watch Triple A baseball. I got news for you: Trip, going to Triple A baseball games is no for one fun. cares about Triple A baseball. They care about the event. Yeah, they care about the going. They to like the, going. They go to the stadium, hey man. Bring me, buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks, man. Yeah. Let's go. That's but nobody, like nobody's like following the box scores for Triple A baseball because it's not the best. Same with Double A. Yeah. Same with Single A. Yeah. Those are all functional farm systems. The other sports have figured out, well, we can turn it, we can call it college, mm-hmm. we'll call them student athletes. <laughs> we won't pay them and people will love it. Yeah. Okay. So there's the, there's the scam there. Well, you talk about scams and we'll close on this. You want, you want scams? So Charlotte FC is going to play in Miami at the end of the year. 
This okay. is in October. October 21st is when they're supposed to play Inter Miami at Bank of America Stadium. And this is being promoted as a fan appreciation day. And the Upper Bowl will be open. They are selling tickets to the Upper Bowl sure. uh, of this last game that features Inter Miami under the idea of, well, Messi's coming. Messi's coming. Except is he going to play? Because slight problem. Bank of America Stadium has moved over to turf. And Messi doesn't play on turf. I'm not quite sure if it's in his contract. I, I really do not know the answer to that well, question. I would assume. But there is an expectation for top-level athletes. I'm not playing on fake field. There's a reason why they put actual field on top of artificial turf at Keenan when Chelsea and Wrexham were here last week. So same thing here when it comes to uh, what's happening at Charlotte FC. So look, man, I'm not trying to knock the hustle. I'm actually kind of low-key impressed that they're selling this as, oh, no, it's a fan appreciation. It's the last game of the year. Well, Maybe you can make eyes on Messi in the owner's box <laughs> or on the field when he doesn't actually I, I guess play. that's, and that's where the conundrum becomes. Yeah. You're not developing players nope. for your national team. No. You're not bringing in the best stars. You're not playing at the highest level. And you've also diluted the hell out of the product because how many teams are there now and how many are there on their way to? Yeah. So, well, they and, have, and, and the, the and, limit does not exist when it comes to MLS expansion. even worse, there's no promotion there's no relegation that's and the that's biggest thing all soccer fans are trained yep to be interested in somebody pointed out to me well all of u.s sports doesn't do re- re- relegation i'm like right but those are inherently u.s sports they're not soccer that are not soccer and what people are used to and, and people- have stakes like not i don't really want to get into gambling discourse because we got to bring matt brown on but right. like part of the reason that one of the one of the primary drivers for sports in the year of our Lord 2023 is gambling. Yes. So I would gamble on, hey, Miami needs to stay out of the bottom three in order to stay. And now all of a sudden you have motive and you bet on something. You're absolutely right. right? Absolutely like, right. So these 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 franchises are not well entrenched to the point where you'd say, oh, well, I paid. I, I can't go down to, to League One. Yes, you can. But if you don't want to be in League One, you better get your ass better. Hey, the whole draw of Wrexham is that they're moving right. up. They keep, they have a chance to imagine. Let's use NCFC as the example of this. If they actually had a truly invest, I mean, not that Stephen Malik isn't invested in NCFC, but if there was the carrot of, I'm going to invest more in this team to move up into the different, into MLS division, don't you think there'd be more stakes? Yes. That more people will buy it? Yes. More, they wrap their arms around it? Yes. I love it when we solve all the world's problems. That's what Sports Talk Radio is about. so good i mean come on if if sports talk radio ran this country man everything would be figured out uh we're off to kick off this week explain the schedule so just understand that things will be a little bit wonky in terms of delivery uh we've got breeze through og tumblers that we're going to give out in the next couple of weeks thanks to the mixtape you want to show that up there yes look at that thing it's gorgeous i love it and the color changing the color changing positive vibes cups came in these are wonderful, Joe. I guess I gave you some stickers too, but these are wonderful. 16 ounces, perfect for your can of We're beer. putting this on a sweatshirt, right? I believe so, yes. Okay. I believe so. Do I need to talk to one of our new apparel people? No, I just need to hit up Jamie over at Breaking Tea to make sure. Can that I talk to one of our new apparel people? Have you had one of those yet? No. Oh, you are in for a treat, sir. Okay. You'll have to tell me about it when we're done yeah. with the show. Not that you know what the difference between a hoodie and actual sweatshirt oh, and, a, and a sweater are, but stop it. Stop it. The world's greatest hoodies. Stop it. Anyway, thanks to Butcher's Market for sponsoring Ovius and Gilio. 
Uh, told you about my fun and frivolity last week with the signature steak tips uh, over at the pool. And then I did the charred jalapeno and garlic chicken for the fajitas, which is money. I had the mac and cheese last night with the I was, bacon. I was going to say I have a new side for you if you haven't had them yet. Oh, please tell me about the new side. The potato skins. Oh, yeah. I've had those. They're I, delicious. They're last fantastic. night, went old school, had uh, hamburger hot dogs, yeah. made my own burgers from the butcher's market, 93.7. Love I it. usually don't like a 93.7. On the chopped meat, mm-hmm. on the ground ground meat, mm-hmm. ground beef, good stuff, good stuff, nice. Their their homemade hot dogs, good stuff, and then the the potato skins. Oh my gosh! Shout out to everybody who's been sending in photos, tweeting about going to butcher's market and trying the sandwiches. We've made some true believers. Yeah, Joe. man, keep it coming. We've made some. Well, true we believers. do need to figure out where they actually do serve fries and where they don't. That's next on our list. True. And okay. speak, speaking of listeners coming through, they've come through on this lifetime refill at Breeze Through. Uh, we actually had one of our listeners point out that they went to the store and they sold out of the tumblers, and they said, "Yeah, people have been referencing it from the podcast." So. Thanks for referencing Matt when yes. you go to these places to tell him you heard it here on the on the podcast. That is in, that's incredibly helpful and awesome that you guys are picking up the tumblers. They also have blue and white ones that weren't going to work for our sticker purposes, but they yeah. will work at the store for your lifetime refill purposes. So Very go nice. get one of those instead. Move on. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Extra Points is the newsletter. I'm a subscriber. I'm a big fan. I learn a lot from Matt Brown. And extra points. He's joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Matt, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for it's, it's great to be here. I mean, uh, it's it's not every day that you get to hop on the first thing you're doing in the morning is everyone else solves the world's problems before your caffeine's <laughs> even, even kicked in. Although, although to be fair, I would I would respectfully argue we might have had sports radio arguably running the country over the past couple of years. <laughs> I, mean, I think if we're doing an overlap of maybe other administrations and say WAFN callers, yeah. there's an overlap. Matt, right? you might you might be onto that. You might be onto that. I always said let the casinos run the world. It's a good point. Although if you listen to sports talk radio, maybe we'd solve all these NIL and uh, legislation problems that oh. coaches continue to complain about. It is peak. Yeah. It's talking season, Matt. We got SEC media days, Pac-12 media days. We're headed to ACC kickoff this week. And people keep talking about the transfer portal. They keep talking about name, image, and likeness. They keep talking about how it's this disaster, yet everybody's still participating in this game, and everybody's watching these games. Ratings have been absolutely phenomenal. So there's this weird disconnect from how coaches talk about stuff versus how we're consuming the product. And I can only imagine the reason why there's this disconnect is that schools and administrators, I'm sure you're talking to, are worried about money being siphoned off from their athletic departments. There, that's unquestionably a worry. And I think it's interesting, right? Because we're heading into like year three of this and schools have had to, to submit what, what we call FRS reports, right? Proof of all of the money coming in and what they're spending on. And if there was documented examples of schools losing donations or, or having to, 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 to cancel really needed projects because of NIL, we would see it in the receipts. And this yeah. is something that ADs are worried about. We're not seeing that right now. What I actually think, although the, there is definitely a concern about, about money, I think on, on some end with the administrative salaries on some end with Olympic sports, one of the other bigger issues is about burnout. And th- this is something I've been hearing more and more from the administrators. And you hear coaches complain about, mm what NIL and the portal have done for them. It isn't so much that we're at risk of a bunch of ACC or SEC head coaches quitting and going to high school where they don't have to worry about perpetual free agency. They don't have to worry about being marketing the, coordinators. Uh, yeah. Like that's the, not the, happening. Bill Belichick. I'm just going to coach D three lacrosse. Cause uh, I'm a, well, I mean, he might eventually, 
True. Um, but where there is a concern, and I do think this is a legitimate concern, is if you are a GA and if you're just starting your career here or if you're, you're, you're a position coach in the MAC or something and you're making – if you're a position coach in the MAC, you're making 55. If you're a GA, you're making food stamps. And now suddenly your job has become twice as complicated that mm-hmm. people who are smart, who could contribute to this role, will decide, the hell with this. Um, th- this this is no longer sustainable. This is now three jobs in one. And that isn't something that we might not that we might not necessarily see in year one, but we could see it in year four, year five, given that we're already seeing a brain drain for a bunch of other elements in college athletics, whether those are trainers, whether those are SID staff or we call creatives, the people that make the recruiting graphics and the Twitter videos, they're quitting in droves. Mm-hmm. You talk you talk to Bubba, you talk to, to anybody here about hey, what are the hardest jobs to find and fill? Like it's it's those guys. I think that will eventually start to come to some of these these coaching staffs. What are some realistic steps towards there becoming regulation to this, Matt? Because the NCAA schools are terrified of any potential lawsuit and they don't seem to be willing to make any kind of stand. And then each state is going to do whatever is best for their respective schools, which I I, I don't disagree with. Mm -hmm. But is this as simple as an economics problem and i'll give you an example right if tommy white got two hundred thousand dollars to play baseball at lsu which he did would you and now they win a national championship well lsu is going to be inclined he hit a home run that was very important to them winning a national championship well they're going to be inclined to pay a player like tommy white miami basketball with going out and getting nigel pack and giving him four hundred thousand dollars they're going to be inclined to go out and do that but if you're a team illinois that went and got uh, Matt Meyer, and you you don't even win a tournament game, aren't you going to be like, hey, now, wait a second. Isn't this what we call the market finding itself? I I am skeptical that that will happen. Um, I mean, Carolina basketball might be a good example, right? That was one of the higher payrolls, allegedly, within college basketball. Mm Uh, didn't even make the tournament. We have Illinois. Well, primary, I got I got to interrupt you, though, because yeah. primary difference with Carolina is they didn't go out and buy players. Well, their players were players they wanted to stay there. It was, I mean, and and I can think of one where where uh, the, the transfer from Northwestern where. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. But but but, you know, that, 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 that point's well taken. Look at European soccer, though where you, eventually you have some of these, these entities that operate some of these teams that are throwing gajillion dollars at squads that finish fifth or sixth <clears throat> or 17th. And they're not encumbered by the free market or the need to turn a profit that maybe mm-hmm. everybody else does because Man, they have FU money, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we don't have, you know, Russian oligarch money in NIL yet or, or oil chic money in NIL, but the kinds of people, that for the last 25 years have been bagmen, particularly in the South, but but not universally, are, are not the kind of people that look at these as dispassionate investments. They look at this as needing to dunk on the other guy in the country club. So I don't know if there's going to be a market correction there because there's always going to be somebody willing to cut that check. What I look at this, though, th- there's all of this wailing and gnashing of teeth. I legitimately think is going to be moot in like two and a half years. Okay. I think it is. I, I think it is bad business. For most people, I can think of a couple of exceptions, but for most people to be involved in the NIL industrial complex, because it doesn't matter what coaches or athletic directors and on some level, even what Congress thinks, it matters what the court system thinks. Mm -hmm. And we have 
Johnson v. NCAA, uh, the, which is about whether athletes are employees, that's going to we're going to have an initial ruling in that this year. It's going to be completely solved, ended next year. We have the NLRB, which will be done next year. We have House, which will be done in 2025. And if the courts say, we don't care what you guys say, we don't even care if the athletes want to be employees. The law says they are. are. Fellas, we're headed to a CBA. And that's gonna that's gonna knock out most of this stuff here. There's no yeah. Chicago Bears or Charlotte or, or Carolina Panthers collective where we crowdsource any of their salary mm-hmm. because you get docked a gajillion draft picks if you're egregious with that sort of thing because there's a CBA. That's where we're headed. Are you gonna have to update Athletic Director Simulator 3000 in a couple of years to handle all these <laughs> things? Where I mean, yeah. We're we're updating this. I I have another uh, like update I have to drop like this afternoon, but. Yeah, we're going to have to redo the entire game. I, I think when this becomes football manager, right? For, pe- for people who might not be familiar, you've ac- you actually developed a video game. That we did. Were, this is a real thing, and it's real called thing. Athletic Director Simulator 3000, a play on Baseball Simulator 2000 that I used to play, or 1000 back in the day. Yeah. Um, and I, I love the DOS graphics that you've got <laughs> going for it. Nice throwback. effects. Brings yeah. me back to my youth. So, But you, you, you can play this game as a subscriber to Extra Points, right? Yeah, or if you're if you're a student and you're using our um, our D1 classroom package, we do curriculum support services for people that are studying sports management. But but yeah, it, I mean it's it's not as sophisticated as football manager is yet. But like the, the point of this here is a lot of people think that they can be ads or they're mm-hmm. or they're they're listening and think I've got the solution to solve these problems. Got, like sports talk radio. <laughs> sure. Me too. Me too. Right. I've I've been on this beat for three and a half years. I can't mm-hmm. tell you the number of times I'm like. <laughs> Sometimes people are just in charge of stuff, man, you know, like, and, and so we built, we built a game that gives you dozens and dozens of scenarios that are for the most part, extremely realistic for what an an AD at high point or Mm -hmm. an AD at ECU or an AD at North Carolina state might all potentially face. And we give the player an opportunity to respond to those, manage a budget, manage their approval rating, manage the director's cup ranking. And it's, I think, realistic enough and that there's no actual right answer. And I think all of us have been on this beat long enough to know sometimes schools have a good process and stuff just happens. Yeah. Things, they're unlucky. They fall apart. Sometimes you act, you do ridiculous things and hiring Bobby Petrino works at least for a couple of years. And then, and then you think things are successful. Right. And, and it's been out for a couple of days. People have loved it so far. Switch gets us to, and we'll close on this, Matt Brown, yeah. Extra Points is the newsletter. I'm a subscriber. If you're into the business of college sports, I highly recommend that you check out this newsletter. So things work out, things don't work out. Sometimes you're in charge of things and things fall apart. And that gets us to Northwestern yeah. and uh, the lawsuits that have now presented themselves. And it has brought into this as the former athletics director at Northwestern. There's overlap with Jim yeah. Phillips, who's now the commissioner of the ACC. He's set to speak to the media. On Tuesday at ACC kickoff, they've already put a statement out related to Northwestern and, you know, what I don't condone any of this stuff. But here's where I'm curious in all your conversations with ADs and other people tied to the athletic department. They always talk about culture. Jim Phillips, I don't I'm always about the student athlete uh, well-being uh, and putting them in the best position. I don't condone. Nobody condones hazing. Nobody's going to go on record and say they condone hazing. But I guess the question that I would have for any administrator that relies upon our culture is different. Our culture is different. Apparently, it's not that different where you've got the president of Northwestern openly questioning their role in athletics, in big time athletics. I mean, we could take this a step. We could take this five steps down the road and wonder out loud if Northwestern might bow out of the Big Ten, not kicked out, but bow out. 
because they don't see where the mission lines up with sports. So what what do you think is kind of unfolding at at Northwestern right now? What kind of reckoning might take place? Yeah, it's it, this is a it's a good question, and I, I think on that point, it's not entirely ridiculous to think about. It, it, it's a little funny to imagine to you know, think of the context because Northwestern has arguably the most palatial football facilities building in the yeah. country. I, for yeah. my money, it's nicer than anything in the ACC except for maybe Clemson. And, 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 and the, the exterior at Northwestern is nicer than Clemson's. So no, no, there's no slide. Yeah. Right? So like, okay, yeah, yeah. You're, you're gonna you're gonna be able to whoop up on Case Western in recruiting battles if you move to drop to D three. One of the things that is hard to articulate to the public, but I think is on is on is happening in Northwestern, and it happens in more places than we might think about who is really in charge mm-hmm. of an athletic department. And and I joked about this because Northwestern is not the only place, but they essentially gave Pat Fitzgerald tenure. When you give a full, when a one football coach has such enormous power over the entire, not just his program, but the athletic department, mm-hmm. arguably the university. I was going to say you're you're thinking too small here, Matt. When yeah, you, when you sure, share. right? Like, I mean, he's he's the the you know secondary mayor of Evanston kind of kind of thing here, and you yeah. have a couple of mega boosters who have disproportionate influence over the department that are really tied up with this guy. You need a special kind of administrator to provide some kind of check on him. Not even if he's necessarily doing anything wrong, but, but to, you know, to indicate that you are not above our system. And if you're leading a place like Northwestern as a president, athletics is never going to be in your top eight priorities. North, football is not the most important thing that Northwestern does. Lurie Children's Hospital is the most important thing that Northwestern does, or the Kellogg Business School, or their global research, or these other facility projects, or what they're doing in China are all way more important, but athletics is a thing that can get you fired. And so what typically happens, right? This was the old Holden Thorpe line, I think at, at, at North Carolina too. So what, what ends up happening in practice is that those leaders delegate, especially mm-hmm. if they don't come into an environment where they understand athletics very well. And sometimes yeah. the ADs do too. What I wrote earlier and what I, I think is happening and we're going to see this unpacked a little bit is Northwestern is a place where even if you had like good ADs and to a man and to a woman, I think, you know, everyone in this industry that I've ever talked to loves Jim Phillips. Um, yeah. and, and and when he says, I believe in the student athlete experience and like, I believe him when he says that. Yeah, he would be horrified. But it, it's it's difficult in practice to check when you have an extremely powerful person um, and you just tend to look the other way because you're focused on other things. And mm-hmm. it, it, even for people that are like good guys, Without, without that kind of check on that power, bad things can happen and not be caught. Matt Brown, extra points. Hey, man, we appreciate the time. As always, it'll be an interesting week at ACC kickoff. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, all right. Take care, fellas. Appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Matt. Uh, that's Matt Brown here on Ovias and Julio on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Next topic, please. So I understand that we've got ACC media days this week. We got kickoff this week, but last week, the last two weeks, we got that summer basketball check-in Joe, John Shire who met with the media a couple weeks ago, last Thursday, Hubert Davis, head coach of North Carolina met with the media. And a lot of times you have a summer press conference, like for Duke, you know, no disrespect to Duke, but we, I think we know most of who their key parts are going to be. Yes, we do. Like Carolina this year, like Hubert Davis, I wanted to go over there. I was out of town. Yeah. You were golfing. No, I was out of town. Wait, you no, it was last Thursday. It was last Thursday. Oh, it was so last I was Thursday. Golfing. I was, I was out of town. I was in Greensboro. 
That counts. You get a chance to play a PGA course, Joe. That counts as being out of town. No, it's fine. It's cool. I wanted I to go it. there yeah, because I, I want to know, like, they have so many new parts. They have yes. so many new guys. And it's always great to hear from the coach himself, like, what are your expectations for a lot of these new parts? And and Carolina's really ramped up their social media game. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of stuff this summer from pickup games and uh, against oh. the pros, against themselves. And it's like it's like a swarm. So right after, so right after the Hubert Davis press conference, it looks like they took off for the Outer Banks. It was, you know, some sort of community outreach. Uh, they're out, out in Nags. Like, shout out to Sam Walker, longtime yeah, colleague, our guy uh, in the ACC. He runs uh, WOBX, and I love the I love the lead. No, they didn't take the ferry from Chapel Hill. <laughs> they took the team bus down US sixty four. And he writes about how members of uh, the basketball team spent the weekend on the Outer Banks for a second straight summer, organized by Dare County uh, native Johnny Tillett. You know that guy's connected to just about everything down in the Outer Banks, um, with a bunch of local businesses chiming in, some charity work, etc. You talk about that social media game. This is all part of it. And uh, Sam had um, had aggregated a whole bunch of stuff, including Beach Day. Here are all your key players uh, hanging out on the Outer Banks, surfing, playing football, ping pong, on jet skis and everything else to get the, the fully catered meal and everything else. Now, to your point about the social media, you're right. They've stepped up their game. But there's something else going on here. And it's all about narrative setting. Okay. We know what the narrative is at Duke. It's John Shire bringing back a whole bunch of pieces from last year and making it work. I mean, are they going to platoon it at Duke like we saw at Kentucky a few years ago? Don't. It doesn't work. But Hubert Davis is on a message-sending tour this summer. Yes. And it's everything that I see about UNC basketball this offseason is about chemistry. They all get along. This is a great group. All sorts of stuff. They're never mentioning Caleb Love. <laughs> I'm pretty sure at Thursday's press conference, he was not asked a single question about Caleb Love. I think it was just about this group, this team, and what it's going to be like and how they complement each other and everything else. They're really trying to nail that down. That last year's result was because the team didn't exactly get on the same page, but this team is. But there's also some other questions about Hubert Davis that I've been telling you, Joe, this season is critical for Hubert Davis and his future at North Carolina because Hubert's talking the talk much like he did last year, but he didn't follow through on minutes bench play and everything else. The reason why they had what seven transfers was because of some questions about the rotation and development, everything else. So now you've brought all these pieces that are your guys to complement your two key guys, Armando Baycott and RJ Davis. How are you going to make it work? And I've already started to see some of the seeds being planted for how this season is going to be presented for North Carolina. They better make the tournament. No, that's good though, because I think that's, those are the mistakes that they made along the way. Yeah. Even going back to that first team, you know, I think one of Hubert's things is he was at ESPN. Mm-hmm. He's amazing with the media. Oh, he's perfect with the media. When he yeah. wants to be, right? But I think he got surly early mm-hmm. for a reason because there's a different standard over there. And it's not the media. It's the public in general, right? Mm-hmm. So when I look at what they're doing now, I think this is just, you know, how I asked Bubba Cunningham, hey, what did you do this offseason? What kind of conversations do you have? How can I help you? Yeah. Well, this, I would, without knowing the answer specifically from Bubba, I would say this is one of those reasons. And a big thing that they need to tap into is forever, even Duke players would go over there and play pickup in the summer. State players would go over there and play yeah, pickup. Yeah, you know, yeah. like they need to tap into that. Cause right now, who's the best Carolina basketball player in the NBA? I mean, you got to work pretty hard to think about it. I got to think about right? it. Now. It's Cameron Johnson, yeah, probably, Cam Johnson. who's a pit transfer. But, you know, it's not like it's not Zion Williamson. It's not. Jason Tatum, it's not Brandon Ingram, it's mm-hmm. not like off the top of your head, 
They'd die to claim although, a Kyrie Irving at this point. Although, the best player in the Zion's NBA is making headlines for different the reasons. The best player in the games. NBA is still Michael Jordan. I'm walking around Manhattan last two weeks ago or whenever it was. Yeah. And everywhere you look, Jordan, 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 the greatest gift that's ever been given. Props to Bubba Cunningham, though. Mm-hmm. They Once they started incorporating Carolina stuff and starting selling the throwback Carolina stuff, that's where you really... Because, yes, there's a whole generation that might not even remember Michael Jordan from the Bulls. They just, <laughs> oh, he's a sneaker guy. So to have the Carolina stuff helps them. But it's funny that you said last year, the part their chemistry was their problem. Mm. I agree. I know I'm, you do. I'm, I'm I know you do. Saying that's the that's the. I messaging. know you do. They they were not talented enough no, last year. They weren't. They were not talented, and no. I completely forgot about Pete Nance mm-hmm. and how he was absolutely abused by NC State uh-huh. because it was a oh my god. He's so, did you see the clip of uh, Josh Allen on one of the uh, podcasts? I think it's uh, Bussing with the Boys. Okay, yeah, I didn't see it. Josh Allen, I, and you've heard me say this. Okay. Josh Allen on this clip said in, in, in actual NFL football games, their audible for when a white player is in coverage is milk. Okay. <laughs> milk. They know that that person cannot cover any of their receivers or running backs. So they literally audible. And he says milk. milk. Wow. Okay. Okay. That was the type of situation that Pete Nance was in at NC state. Like he was so bad. Every play was designed to go against him. Mm-hmm. This is the player they bought in to replace Brady Manick. He wasn't good enough. And it puts so much pressure on Caleb Love yeah. and RJ Davis and Armando Baycott. Personality conflicts aside, yeah. whatever they were, real or real or imagined, they're not the type of players who were going to perform at their highest level every single time out. And we've seen this time and time again with Baycott. He's a wonderful garbage man in the best sense of the world. Great rebounder, intense player. He's improved tremendously over his mm-hmm. career, but he is not a guy that you can just throw the ball into and get a basket from consistently every single game. That's not his game. That's not the best parts of his game. So last year, Carolina's true problem was they didn't have enough guys. So I at least, A, I like what they're doing with the messaging, and B, I like that they've added more options. Give yourself a chance. Yes. You're not going to ask Cormac Ryan to be great every game like you did Caleb Love last but year. You need him to hit big but shots. Every once in a while, you're going to say, okay, cool. Look at that was the Cormac Ryan game. Mm-hmm. Paxton Wojcik, you're going to say, man, uh, I really hope he shoots better than 27% or whatever Caleb Love's terrible three-point percentage was. And you're going to go, but he's not going to do it every game. But there's going to be games where he hits four threes and you go, see, that was a great ad. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have that last year. And, and gosh, I really don't want to tread into the leaky black territory because of how much everybody loves leaky black, but not having a guy who's a total minus on offense in your lineup now is going to be good for Carolina. On. So Jillia went to Oak City Sports Card. You picked up the 87 tops. We have a full wax box. Love it. Of 87 tops. Who's going to be more interested in the 87 tops baseball card set? Uh, coaches, players, or fellow media members? The media. Yeah, probably. The media. Garbage Pail kids, too. I'm excited about the that. The Garbage Pail. I got you some Pokemon. Yes. I, love I it. got current uh, the, the Bowman University Chrome cards, okay. which are they can actually be like a Brendan Armstrong, for example, Yeah, is actually in that set. So they have a chance to open up packs where they're in the packs. Mm-hmm. And then I got a Donruss from the last year, so we can maybe get some rated rookies football. So a coach like Mac Brown might look at that and go, oh, 
That's my Sam guy. Sam Howell. There's, that's, that's my guy. That's my guy. That's I coached guy. him. Big thing about Oak City Sports Cards, go on down, bring your cards, get them graded. We had a listener take his Andre Sveshnikov card. Got yes. that 10, a 10, which is, which always is good. not easy. Not easy to do. To do. Get it graded. Weston's got some big things going on, man. I'm Love excited it. for him. Love it. And shout out to Mosquito Authority and Pest Authority. Uh, I've been talking about grilling outside. I'm able to do it this time of the year in North Carolina because of Mosquito Authority. It's kept the mosquitoes at bay around my grill. So go check them out. No contracts. Use them as you want to. But I've been using them now for the last three years. They come through every time. Ants inside the house. Termites outside the house. You got mice down in the crawl space. Mice in the attic. Moisture under the house. Mm -hmm. Again, you name it. Hayes Lancaster and his crew. They have it covered. It's Bugs Bite. Dot com. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, it's our friend Bomani Jones. Bomani, what's up, man? Hey, man, you guys need to check out the next set of the Tops Allen and Ginter uh, cards. Yes. Now, this is language that I don't understand, <laughs> but Jillio perked up, so you got to tell me about this. I didn't really understand exactly what it was either, but I'm in it. You might be able to get a oh, signed Bomani Jones card. I see. Crack open one of them boxes. Okay. All right. Yeah, Alan and Ginter, they have a little bit of some of the entertainment aspect as well. Can, so it's pretty cool. Can Weston find a box of those? <laughs> of course he can. Come All on. right. You know what? We'll do a live unboxing. See if I, we get wait, the money. I do have, wait, I have a question before we get started, Bo. <laughs> when you sign cards, did they offer you one to keep? I think so. I feel like I got one here somewhere. Like okay. I'm, I'm waiting to get it for real. I want to, you know, blow it up, put it up on the wall. Like I feel like. <laughs> I'm a little you know, weird about putting pictures of myself up, though I look around my house and realize there's probably a few more of them, you know, <laughs> but it's stuff like, you know, posted cool. for the TV show and things like that. It's like, it's only like the hot shit. I just managed to get hotness. <laughs> I Hey, man, where's the shoe rack? Speaking of hotness, what happened to all the shoes? Oh, I donated like a hundred something pairs when Woo! I moved into my new place. I oh, don't really had, well, as one, I don't really have a space for it. And two, I don't go nowhere. And when yeah. you go somewhere, you're doing it in New York, just beating them up. Yeah, my my Caleb, uh, when he got to high school last year, he finally started to see the phenomenon of kids walking around like penguins so that they don't crease their Jordans, which he doesn't. He's like, why would you get shoes if you can't walk? And I'm like, buddy, we all do dumb things. We all do dumb things, man. Well, I, he, I, I think he doesn't seem to understand them kids got to make them Jays rock out a long time. There is no, I'm just going to go get some more. Look, to your point, he, we finally found the thing that he gave a damn about. So we were in New York a couple weeks ago. I know Julia was in New York a couple weeks ago. And we went to the Tyler, the creator store there in Soho, the golf wang. I think it's what it's called. And Caleb, he's like, we got to, can we go? Can we go? Like, it was like, do we have time to go to the store? So we dropped like 40 bucks on a t-shirt. He originally wanted like a hundred dollar hoodie. I was like, well, you could, you could pay for that. Uh, like, yeah. I'm buying you a t-shirt. If you want the hoodie, <laughs> here's your budget, here's your budget <laughs> t-shirt. You want a hoodie? Well, that's coming out of your checking account, right? It's like, oh, okay. So he takes this t-shirt, has not worn it, has not worn it since we bought it. He's first day it, like super, super clean. No, he had a date the other day. Oh, so guess what finally there came out? The golf swing shirt. Yeah, very, very smart. All right, so what he's now? What, 15 now? He's 15 now, yeah. Wow, I'm old. <laughs> had we had we gotten together in New no, York, you would have felt even older. <laughs> you would have seen him. He's just hanging out with us. He's just hanging out with I'm just like, what am I what am I doing here? <laughs> no, what's what's old is uh when I'm now seeing parent like Julio's wearing a freaking East Carolina dad t-shirt, man. Oh wow. Because James is going to ECU. Like, that's where we're at now, man. How'd you, how'd you feel when he told you that state, uh, grad? 
Oh, I, I love the Pirates. I got no problems with the Pirates. Were you just glad he got in somewhere? That's gotta be. That's gotta be. Want to continue your education? Awesome. You, you know, hey, that's cool too, man. Speaking of college, with name, image, and likeness, um, these collectives, uh, college players getting money. Are when do we get to a point where a running back might actually consider sticking around college rather than going to the NFL on a rookie deal where you know, you know, if you're awesome. You're not going to get paid because they're just going to draft your replacement. No, that's an interesting question because, like, the thing with the NIL is some people are making money. Yeah. Most people are not. But if you get to the place of being like the basketball equivalent of what's my man's name at a Kentucky, Oscar, or Sweet Bay. Yeah. Like, if you get to that point, well, yeah, maybe you should stick around because the money's going to be for you here and to be honest the rest of your life is probably going to be in whatever that town is because you can live on scholarship forever like that's probably what's going to happen but what you describe is very similar to what uh women's basketball players are talking about in many cases it is a lot more bread for them sticking around in college than there is to go to the WNBA. now the difference there is there is no brand loyalty and identity to the teams in the WNBA. Therefore, there's not a reason for people to pay attention. So the money's not going to be there. Like mm-hmm. until there becomes a WNBA team that somebody cares about, then I with UConn, you know, yeah, like you're not gonna you're not gonna have that. Like the NCAA is a brand. The WNBA is a brand that just doesn't match up. Like that's I think that's a big part of what the situation is. But for these running backs. It's just a market inefficiency with the way that the NFL works. It's too risky they determined to throw a bunch of money fresh out of school at guys. That's why we saw the Ricky Wade scale come into play in 2011. But unlike literally every other position, running backs are going to be as good as they're going to be in the first five years. So the Mm -hmm. rookie contract is the time where they have the best chance to earn, but then once they get to the back end, they're like, oh, boy, look at that odometer. Sure got a lot of miles on you, buddy. And then there's no money left to be made. Like, they're going to have to figure out some quirk that allows running backs to get out of their deals early if there's any chance that they're going to be paid fairly. Now, what I want to see is how many how many are colleges going to get to a point where they start tricking dudes like they used to trick the dudes that wanted to be quarterbacks? Like, oh, yeah, sure, you'll be a quarterback. And then you get on <laughs> campus, and then a week later, you backpedaling? Yeah. Are they going to have to do that with running backs? Like, yeah, we'll give you some reps at receiver. Sure. You'll be a thought receiver. But the, I guess the like Saquon Barkley is a prime example of this. Christian McCaffrey was a prime example of this. There's been evolutions at every position. We we talk about the evolution of the quarterback. Well, there's been an evolution of the running back position. I don't know. For some reason, it, it just came to mind uh, back. Well, this must have been an old Bomani and Jones uh, bit where, what was it? Uh, you, it was a brand change. What was it? Uh, two oh, yeah, changes. No, no, no. Two chains used to be Titty Boy, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did that about the Hornets. Yeah, but it was okay, like about the Hornets, was two chains. Right. All right. So he's like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get anywhere named Titty Boy, but two chains. Now we're talking. Can you do that with running backs? Could you just name like, rename the position to something else? I mean, maybe did you know that the value for the franchise tag has fallen, fallen. in the last five years? The only it's the only position in the NFL the where it's makes fallen. More. The kicker's That's making the more, man. Craziest thing I've heard, and I guess part of it was. When you go back, you still had like an Adrian Peterson type or whatever at the high end of it to kind of, you know, to keep that top five number up. So when they tagged you, you went from there. But if you're Saquon Barkley, no, I'm not going out there to do that for $10 million a year. That's crazy. And one of these cats is just going to have to decide I ain't coming. The fear is um, Aaron Schatz in the Football Almanac in first page typically makes the point 
sacks are a quarterback stat. Rushing yards are an offensive line stat. And mm-hmm. so these teams believe, okay, we'll just be able to throw somebody else out here. The Mike Shanahan thing, I'll right? Just we'll say, just, this is who I blame. Yeah, we'll just throw somebody else in here, and boom, you'll figure it out. And there's some systems where that worked. But I still believe that a truly special running back matters. Case in point, yes, the Rams won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but we ain't called Sean McVay a genius since he had peak Ty Gurley. Mm-hmm. We just haven't done it. We saw what happened with the 49ers last year when they went and got Christian McCaffrey. Did they lose another game in the regular season? Like, it was something crazy after they went and got him. Yeah, so no, if you got one of those guys that matters, like, we, you about to see about Bijan. Like, Bijan mm-hmm. is going to take the league by storm when he comes in. But when's he going to get paid? See, you want to get rid of that Texas fan in you, but, it's but you can't. It's oh, no, there. no, no. That's not about Texas fan. That's just about not being blind. Like, like, like Bijan is one of those where you watch and you're like, oh, (laughs) like they don't they don't make a lot of these like comparing his college stuff to Saquon Barkley's. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any comparison. Like I think Bijan is just just next level. All right. So I need you to help me out with uh, the economics of this as well. Uh, Your true, true specialty here. So the, the Washington football team sold for $6 billion. Yes. And uh, the best thing that Josh Harris has going for him as the majority owner of the of the team is that he's not Dan Snyder. So yes. salute. That's only going to last so long in D.C. But for, now, <laughs> but for now, hey, man, you ain't Dan, so you're good. But the Hornets just got approved. And Michael Jordan's about to sell his majority stake in the, in the Hornets for $3 billion. So I'm... I'm a little, I know 3 billion is a lot of money in terms of difference, but I almost feel like the Washington football team might've been a little bit of a discount. If the Hornets who were having not really been much of anything in the NBA under Michael Jordan, the last 13 years are going for three. Am I, am I misreading this? Well, my read on that is if you were to just go off the financials of that team and Mm -hmm. what they've been, it's probably not up to $6 billion. Okay. Right. Snyder has done such a poor job running that team that you probably could get it on some little measure of a discount for that reason. Right. They got a bad stadium situation. Yeah. Um, everything else that we could kind of run through. So maybe that's like maybe that's where you get in that direction. At the same time, man, it's just, it's six billion is a ridiculous number. Like when I think about what the numbers were that teams used to fetch, like Dan Snyder paying $800 million for that team in 1998 or 99, whichever year it was, was a staggering sum. He got the team and the stadium for that. I was going to say the stadium. Mm-hmm. Stadium was part of that. That's nuts. That's nuts. My big problem with that deal they got right now is them trotting Magic Johnson out there like he the owner. Right. Magic Johnson out here doing these interviews like, oh, yeah, as a black man to be an owner of a team. Mm-hmm. Dog. You are not the owner of this team. It is like it's dishonest yeah. the way that the league is trotting him out. And I'm disappointed that he's allowing himself to be a party to it. Magic Johnson, as rich as he is, will never be rich enough to buy an NFL team. Like that's what people need to understand. Like we need a black owner. Every single one of us gonna have to put our money together in order to buy a team. It had to be all our team. We just keep it at Magic's house. Whoever it happened to be. It's like 4%. the Green Bay, Green Bay Packers, but yeah. with black ownership. Yes, yes, yes. The, the Green Bay Blackers. That's what we would be. But it like the money is so thrown off in this that it just feels so dishonest trying magic out there to be like, yeah. oh man, as a black man, this makes me so proud. Is that well, they ain't got they ain't even got to listen to you in meetings at four percent. Is that different than what Jordan did with his original stake in 
the Hornets? Well, at least he took the stake and turned it into that. legitimate majority control. Like, okay. yeah. you know, he was somebody Magic's never there. doing that. Yeah, by the time he got to the end. And I would also like to take this moment while we're here. Mike did a better job as the owner of that team than people want to give him credit for. Sure, sure. He took over for a guy that I was told was charging the players for Gatorade. No. Yeah, Bob Bob Johnson was notorious for... (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like People have no idea how terrible Bob was. And I think that part of that was... You know, he's the first black owner, so people want to act like they was on the right side. But yeah. the first black owner was that black guy. Like, if you'd asked black people about it, we'd have been like, bro, I don't know if that's the <laughs> that's the move you want to make. But Mike had to clean that up. And so if nothing else, the Hornets are just there, which yeah. is not the case with the Bobcats. They yeah. were there and they stunk. I guess that gets us into the existential question of, are there is there such a thing as a good owner or are there just bad ones and you look good by comparison? That, to me, is the question i was thinking about the other day like mm-hmm. being an owner is kind of like being a university president people don't like very many of them right right and if you're lucky they don't really talk about you but in the nba who would we deem to be a good owner and to me the good owner is generally just one that's willing to spend but then you go look at dan snyder who was willing to spend and he was terrible at how he went about the spending spending joe lacob it's hard not to argue that joe lacob is a good owner um, Steve Ballmer in the name of look what I did with this trash organization that I got my hands on. Let's I say think I would Harrison argue. Though. Yeah, Mickey Arison. Mickey Arison, the one that always, I, I always get back to. In spite of being a little bit thrifty, I would still make the argument that he's a good owner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, after that, man, it gets a little tricky trying to identify who the actual good owners are. But that, and then you, you you bring up Mickey Arison or or other owners, or in the case of Dan Snyder, there is this weird. And this kind of ties back to the running backs as well. Typically, in American culture, it's about the worker. Like we all, you know, we're all kind of complaining about ownership. Man, I'm not getting what my worth is. Yeah, you know, blah 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 blah. And people people prey on that. Yet when it comes to sports, we're never siding on the side of the players. We we actually start to feel sorry for owners. And there is a weird ownership class was it simping that takes place sometimes in in media where I'm not going to feel bad for Dan Snyder and all the things that are going on because look at what he just turned that team around for doing a terrible job. Oh, Peter Carmanos. Peter Carmanos cashed out and he was broke. Yeah. Okay. Broke, broke. by his own kid. Okay. <laughs> and then the case of Michael Jordan, say what you want. The results for Michael Jordan weren't great, but he still turned a minority investment into a $3 billion sale. So I'm not, it's the classic case of, you're not making money while you own the team. You make the money when you sell the team. So why is anybody feeling sorry for owners during the run? Because we are Americans. Yeah. And we believe in this capitalism in a very, very, very disturbing sort of way. The other part, and it can't be ignored. Now, granted, like when you throw hockey in this, it gets a little wonky. But still, this part can't be ignored. Football and basketball in particular, the players are overwhelmingly brown. Mm -hmm. The owners are overwhelmingly white. Mm -hmm. And people know what team they're on. And they jump on team white. They jump on team green. And they just absolutely ride it out because I'm with you. Like one thing that's interesting, you watch over there in Europe, people take to the streets to protest about their soccer team. Yeah, right? that Super like, League did not get very no, far. People no, in American idea rejected that outright. <laughs> they, Go get the they streets. demand something different over there. Now it's that 
part of it is interesting with soccer because a lot of the team identification for fans is because of like real social like labor conditions not just yeah. i'm from here that sort of thing but no man they keep kissing these owners asses at every turn in this and this amazing ability to rationalize and understand the business decisions that these owners need to make and it's funny because as soon as they get laid off they greedy you know maybe that explains why country music as somebody i saw on twitter put it is now narc rock <laughs> and uh country music used to be hey man 16 tons 16 tons what's it get me you know another day uh, another day shorter and a dollar dead or whatever however the lyric goes or you know i shot a man in reno just to watch him die too hey hey hey, hey. you put some respect on the authority okay Hey, I mean, booting your ass is the American way, right? Like, it, it, seemed, it seemed to really go there. Like, there's this book I tried to read called Rednecks and Blue Necks or something like that. Mm-hmm. It tried to make this argument about, like, Republic, like left and right politics through the sphere of country music. But the problem was I stopped reading because I got so many pages through and didn't see the word black come up one time, mm. right, in terms of the explanation of what's going on. But when you go back, like, I hit this big like Willie Whalen phase not too long ago. Yeah, that that's pretty left wing stuff. Seriously, man. go go back, read the lyrics of the stuff that was you know outlaw country. Go look at Willie now when he does the Farm Aid and the various other. I mean, Willie's coming through uh, the triangle again. He's very outspoken about the stuff, and I'm always curious when the change happened to the bro country where we'd rather be sit- sitting about blue jeans. Bo Burnham did a bit about this back in 2016. Where it's like, all right, uh, let me strum. I got to mention the blue jeans. I got to mention the old dirt road and my truck rather than talking about the The man. The beer. beer. Don't forget the beer. Rather than the man is out to screw you. Look for yourself. I would just like to make the note that the baddest man working in music today is Sturgill Simpson. And we are going in the opposite direction. And music is so much more interesting, like actual critiques of the war machine. Telling people, don't think going to the Navy is what you want to do if all you're trying to do is pay your bills. What's the the last track on... uh... Sailor's story, guys. Uh, Sailor's got to Earth. Called Arms. Called Arms. Go listen to Call to Arms. Go listen to that record. Dude, Sea Stories was the one, though. Uh, what are you talking about? Uh, with flying high bees dying for lies in a politician's <laughs> war? No, man, he's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. How and does he do that? And he's also talking about how does he remember? Because it's Bomani. What in the well, world? Because I've listened to that record a lot. No, I know, but, but still, like you just. I'm- like I get focused on the you know smoking a little smoke Ow. and playing Nintendo sixty four and Goldeneye. That's yes. the one I focus on. He's focused on this other stuff. Well, once I realized that the Goldeneye thing wasn't nearly as relatable to me as I thought it was, I was like, oh, you're talking about somebody shooting up and playing Goldeneye. My bad. <laughs> Different one. All right, we'll go on this. Six billion dollars is a lot of money. There's only so many people who can afford six billion dollars uh, in the NFL, and there's going to be more sales down the line. But no NFL team's ever going to sell to a Saudi investment fund, are they? Man, I have been thinking and wondering. The NFL is the one league that won't do it. I'll take it. Because I can see, we've already seen this with the NBA. I can see this happening in Major League Baseball. I can see it happening with the investment in soccer. But the NFL is run a little bit differently. They don't want that live crisis. They don't. I think it's two things. One, I just don't think they have to, right? Like, I think the line of people that want to buy an NFL team is so long that they're not in in that place. But I think the other thing that people have to remember is the NFL really wants like the top levels of the American industrial class to own teams. Like they were really charged up about the idea of the Waltons 
buying in and getting the Broncos, which means, by the way, the Waltons own two teams, if you want to count Kroenke as an in-law. Like, sure. that's what they want. They're not just at the, hey, you got the money, come on in. Like, I don't know what they would have taken Jimmy Haslam again, the way the NBA just took Jimmy Haslam to buy that share of the Bucks. But what I'm trying to figure out is what happens when the Saudi investment, the public investment fund tries to buy the Yankees or the Lakers? This is the thing that I said from the very beginning. Both of them have second-generation ownership levels where the kids don't really want the team. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with the Lakers, it's the case where all their money is tied up in the team. With the Yankees, um, I believe it's Hal that's got it now because I think Hank died. I'm Forgive me, I get those two mixed up. But he doesn't really want a baseball team. If you're the Saudi public investment fund, I don't know why you don't drop $10 billion and try to get the Yankees dare them to tell you no because they're not i was talking to spencer about this last night it's not like they buy stuff trying to get a return they buy stuff because they don't have anything else to do with Mm -hmm. the money yeah Yeah. they have so much money that they basically paid for everything they need in their country right now you can make the argument maybe you guys need to start figuring out how to air condition outside Right, like maybe that's what they need to put all their stuff to to figure out how to make that work. Put a whole dome over this. Okay, maybe that's it. But they got nothing else to do with the money. No, no. yeah, there's only so many coffee cans you can bury out in the desert, man. <laughs> yeah, like I don't think they're trying to launder their image. I don't. I think they, if you got all this money, the only way you justify it is to spend it. Yeah, makes total sense. Makes total sense. Bomani, hey man, good catching up. We'll talk to you later. All right, man, you guys be good. All right, that's Bomani Jones on the Easter automotive group hotline let's get some hey joe question next topic please before we get to some hey joe what are you laughing about oh bo bo's the best he's the best (laughs) uh hometown realty they sponsor ovies and Gilio. check them out uh online and better yet just just go buy a house y'all go to please come on go to myhdr.com come on buy a house already (laughs) buy a house already myhdr.com Hometown Realty, it's not just residential, commercial uh, real estate as well. Uh, but we know this area has gotten incredibly competitive uh, with the housing market as more and more people are moving here. There's a lot of outside cash, California cash coming in, et cetera. Got to compete. So it can get pretty dicey out there. Hometown Realty can help you out and get a leg up on these. So again, check them out, myhtr.com. Yeah, Barry Woodard and his team. They have more than 250 agents and more than six locations. Check them out, myhtr.com. Also, shout out to Whitaker and Hamer, wh.lawyer. Um, should we have them drop a grant of rights for our guests when we get to ACC kickoff? Like we, we own your interview rights for the rest of kickoff? We need them to drop some some sort of waivers for the OG Golf Classic. Yes, we do. I got a, an immediate text from Josh that said, I'm in. I was like, <laughs> love it. Love it? Yes, Absolutely love you're it. In. Absolutely love it. So again, check them out online, wh.lawyer. Let's uh, close out with, hey, Joe, it's brought to you by Oakwood Pizza Box. Check them out online at oakwoodpizzabox.com. If you got any sort of questions for us, by all means, just use that hashtag, hey, Joe, yeah. on Twitter. I don't know what it's called, know, but it's anymore. look for a very special Law of the Wolf this week. Okay. Was taped over at Oakwood Pizza Box. Anthony. Ah, yes. Opened up just for me nice. and NC State baseball coach, Elliot David. Love it. You're going to be surprised by Elliot's thoughts on Tommy White and his success at LSU. Interesting. Is it different than the ECU baseball coach tweeting through it? It, You're going to be surprised. That's my tease for you, sir. Got it. We got Todd from the mountain in light of the Barbie movie being a smash hit. I want to acknowledge that Aqua's first TV performance of Barbie Girl in the UK 
Uh, the rapper who plays Ken is wearing a Kerry Collins Panthers jersey. You know what? Panthers legend. Knowledge. Hey, look right there, man. If everybody from Todd, if everybody's on the nostalgia train when it comes to the Carolina Panthers, I fully expect the Panthers to get on board with this and uh, and and promote that. All right. So next on to Hey Joe. This is from Kevin Clark. This is actually a Hey Joe from me to you, Joe. It's from oh, Kevin yes. Clark of the Ringer. Uh, good dude. Does good work over at the Ringer. You either fully understand this guy or cannot comprehend this line of thinking at all. There's nothing in between, nothing. And it's from the subreddit, Golf. Can I golf with night vision? He explains, so here's the deal. I live about 200 yards from a municipal course that's very walkable and I'm very familiar with. I have have young children, and it's difficult for me to golf as much as I'd like. I have a season pass that allows me to golf as much as I'd like. Would it be incredibly unethical to buy night vision optics and play at night between the hours of 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. The kicker is at the end of this explanation, he says, wife is on board. First off, do you believe the wife is on board? For him not to sleep? Yeah. With young kids. I want to know how, what, go back to the, does it say what his handicap was? Uh, he said it was a 10, 10. handicap. So we're, we're pretty similar. Um Here's a real question. The I reason why it's, the ball though sometimes. The reason even why with night this. vision, you wouldn't be able to, Find your ball in the woods. Fair. But this is, this is, it resonated with me because either you get this line of thinking or you don't. And I thought, well, I know Joe. So therefore, I do understand this line of thinking because you would try to come up with some ridiculous Fugazi reason to golf at night. I would. Yes. Okay. But I you would. were saying you didn't really play a lot of golf when the kids were born. No. James's first three years, I might have played five times total. All right. All right. Cause it is, it's like a, you know, it's four hours for the round. And then depending on where, I mean, at the time I wasn't living out of the course. So, yeah. you know, then you got to factor another hour in transport, factor in another hour for drinking a beer here or there. And now Jeez. all of a sudden you're gone for seven hours. Yeah. You go home and, and see right. how much they're happy that you Fair spent your, your day Fair off. Uh, from W.L. Evans, can we get a beef master in how to? And yeah, man, I saw, your, saw your tweets. They yeah. So it was my dad's 70th. My dad's 70th birthday is Wednesday. Okay. Um, happy birthday. You actually can wish him a happy birthday on Wednesday because he's going to, be to Charlotte. Charlotte. Yes. Feliz cumpleaños. Don't get me started on this. So my brother, my brother came into town and surprised him. He's never been to beef master. He loves steak. We didn't tell him. He freaked out. He likes control. He wants to know what he's doing. So we all pile in the car. And he's like, so where are we going? Uh, oh yes, he had I can no see idea. This. Yeah, so we start heading he out. Would have actually like printed out like the triptych uh-huh. for you. Yes. Uh huh. So he's freaking out. <laughs> you're in the cradle, are, you, are you taking? Are you taking me to where do you say first? <laughs> At first, he thought we were going to Red Lobster. I'm like, no, no. And then we started heading, you know, 264. So are you taking me to a Mud Cats game? I go, no, we're not having dinner at Cattails. No, that's not happening. Not a bad spot though. Not a bad spot. <laughs> oh well, are you taking me to south of the border? Because we're headed towards 95. I'm like, Dad, we're not going in that direction okay. for 95. So, no, we're not going to south of the border. We're not eating at the Sombrero. He's like, oh, oh, so we're going to the Outer Banks. I'm like, Dad, the Outer Banks is a three <laughs> and a half hour more? drive. We just left at five. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't tell him where we were going. I just looked. I showed him the Google Maps and I said, we're 45. It's a 47 minute drive. So for 43 minutes of this 47 drive, he's just would not shut up talking about where we were going. So he finally figured it out because I let it slip when we got off on the exit. I'm like, eh, we should be able to find a tailgate spot to my brother who was sitting in the front row with me. And he goes, oh, we're going to that steak place. Yes. So we tailgated. I want to say, I don't. I, there's no way to confirm this, but I'm pretty sure we're the first tailgating group to be blaring Cuban music from the back of the truck Okay. at Beefmaster. And look, it's a great experience. Get there. You're probably going to be sitting around for about 90 minutes. So bring some stuff to tailgate. That's part of the experience. They bring out that ribeye. 
I got my eight ounces. Whoa, not whoa. ten ounces. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It's I'm a rib sorry. Eye. It's a ribeye. I'm sorry. It's a ribeye. It's a ribeye. Look at the progress. I know, right? It's a win for me. Good for you. Or did you have a choice? No, you don't have a choice. Oh, okay. They just bring you out a hunk of okay. ribeye and they say, we start I here. I thought you were Here's eight actually ounces. graduating to eating the better no, cut no, of meat. No. And the, to me, the, the underrated part about Beefmasters, their Lazy Susan salad bar. Okay. It's off the track. I've never it's been. Fresh. So, we'll yeah. go. We'll go. We'll do a little road trip out there. Again, it's only 45 minutes from, from Raleigh. So any recommendations? Yeah, no, from, man, go from for you. It's probably like 30 minutes from me. Oh, yeah. It's probably <laughs> an easy piece of cake thing. Easy piece of cake thing. All right, we'll uh, close, hey, Joe, and get out of here on this. This is from NCSU Scholarship Tracker. Oh, Box store gas etiquette. <laughs> if the car on the furthest pump leaves, do you drive around the car at the first pump or wait for them to finish? I wait for everybody. And I, I literally just did this at Costco yesterday. I wait for the two cars to exit, and then I pull up with it. Although the guy in front of me didn't understand how the Costco gas thing worked. Right. He was delayed, so thankfully the other car I exited. I, I exited early, so we're good. How do you do the etiquette, Joe? Uh, no, I go to when it's open. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. jump in line. You just jump in line and back in. That's fair. That's fair. All right, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Obi's and Jillio. We're going to be in Charlotte all week. Enjoy. Give us five stars only. Positive vibes only. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.